0: Thank you for visiting the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. I want to take us today to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'd like for you to have your Bible open as you listen to this recording. If you are a Christian, you cherish what the Apostle Paul affirms in this passage. It is where you stand in your convictions, therefore, where you live in your behavior. If you are not a Christian, we hope and pray the truth and hope written in this passage will invite you into closer study and personal examination of what God offers through Jesus Christ. Let's listen carefully to the opening verses. This is part one of two sermons. Based on 1 Corinthians 15 for April the 4th. Part 2 will be presented in the follow up. The opening verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul said, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast, to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 4. The gospel of Christ is based on historical truth. We can say to people, this really happened. Jesus was born to a virgin, as God had said in prophecy. He lived perfectly, not a single violation of the law he was under. He taught the truth from God. He was taken to the cross by unbelievers. On the third day, as Scripture said, he was raised. Nobody made this up. There is no credible rebuttal. Even those who rejected him could offer no valid claim otherwise. Now here in 1 Corinthians 15, about this history, Paul says, this is where we stand. To the Corinthians he said, this is what we preach to you this is what you believe, this is the foundation upon which we stand. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, but he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The gospel of Christ is based on this historical truth. We need to re-emphasize that today. In our religious world, Religious practice is often based more on emotion than truth. Defining truth, loving truth, defending truth isn't really popular today. Feelings and experience is placed above truth, and truth seems to be only vaguely defined or occasionally mentioned. To Christians, I say, in our preaching and living, we need to make it clear We stand on the truth that Jesus died. He was buried, but was raised from the dead. And the evidence is more than sufficient. I'm going to keep reading now at verse 5. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. I said a moment ago there is no credible rebuttal against the resurrection of Christ because over 500 witnesses. Paul says most of these 500 were alive, alive when Paul wrote this and Paul was a witness himself. Courts of law, ancient and modern, have required eyewitness testimony to establish that something really happened. Here is an unusual case—over 500 witnesses—that Jesus was raised from the dead. One of my favorite books outside the Bible is a book by Frank Morrison, a British journalist. He set out to do painstaking, lengthy research— to disprove the resurrection of Christ. Yet, as he undertook that project, he was surprised when he discovered all the evidence. He became convinced that what was reported in the New Testament was true. He put all this in book form, and the title he chose was Who Moved the Stone? I say again, there is no credible rebuttal against the truth of the resurrection of Christ. This really happened. In fact, on the positive side, all available evidence is Christ came forth from death never to die again. So as this passage of Scripture begins, 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 8, Paul affirms where we stand as Christians with emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Next, I want us to see in verses 9 through 11, Paul, as he speaks of his role as an apostle, connects this historical truth to the grace of God. 1 Corinthians fifteen nine through 11. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. That Paul was able to see the risen Christ that he was able to repent and be baptized into Christ, to spiritual life and apostleship. Paul ascribes all of that to the grace of God. It wasn't that the apostle Paul or anyone on earth had earned the right to have these things happen and to be saved by the grace of God. That's the key thought in verses 9 through 11. So the gospel is based on the historical truth of Jesus' life, death, death, burial, and resurrection. We stand on that truth. By the grace of God, these events took place, and the sinner's response to Jesus provides salvation for that sinner that could not be received in any other way. If you are a Christian and active believer in these historical truths, give glory to God today and every day that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, Moving further, what are the consequences if a claim is made of belief in Christ, but the concept of God raising the dead is questioned? Let me say that again as we move into verse 12. What are the consequences if a claim is made of belief in Christ, but the concept of God raising the dead is questioned? Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I want you to listen to verses 12 through 20, and then we'll talk about it. 1 Corinthians 15 12 through 20. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, Of those who have fallen asleep. What's happening here? Well, let's get ahead of ourselves a little. Paul is going to argue a few verses more into this passage that the general resurrection at the end of the age is something we hope for based on the fact that Christ was raised. Those things are connected. Now let's talk about that general resurrection at the end of the age. Jesus said that would occur in John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, Jesus said, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Christ was raised. But in the future, at the end of the age, there will be a general resurrection. And for Christians, that will be a happy event. It will be a resurrection to eternal life. Jesus said that the apostles preached that Paul stated earlier in the Corinthian letter back in chapter 6, verse 14, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Yet in Corinth, While the resurrection of Christ was believed, there were some who said, There is no resurrection of the dead. You hear the contradiction? Paul is saying, Now wait a minute. Before you deny the future resurrection, before you say that there is no such thing as a resurrection, think with me now, you expressed your belief in the resurrection of Christ when you obeyed the gospel. God in that event has demonstrated that you can believe in the future resurrection at the end of time. So Paul puts before them the inconsistency of accepting the resurrection of Christ, then saying there is no such thing as a resurrection of the dead. You cannot deny the resurrection of the dead and still be a believer in Christ with all that belief involves. Paul does this in a very methodical way, which puts obligation on these people to think about what they were saying. What we're doing now, we're looking at this part of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, that starts at verse 12. If, as some of you were saying, if there is no resurrection of the dead, number one, you're serving a dead Savior. That's a consequence of what you've said. Now, that kind of approach may sound severe, but their error was severe in denying a resurrection. So Paul uses the strongest approach to get them to think about what they were saying. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. See, that's a problem, because when these people obeyed the gospel, they confessed their allegiance to a risen Christ, and they were baptized and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you see what Paul is doing and how effective and powerful this is? Further, if you say there is no resurrection, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, if you say there is no resurrection, not only is Christ dead, but also our preaching means nothing. Your faith means nothing. We apostles are liars. Your faith is futile. You were still lost in sin. Your dead brothers and sisters have utterly perished, never to appear again. And the bottom line is, we are of all men the most pitiable. I want to put it this way, without any concern that I'm overstating the matter. If Christ is not raised, if he is now dead, we might as well bury everything in the tomb with him the ethics, the values, the commands, the examples, certainly the ultimate blessings and promises. If Christ is dead, what do we really have? And beyond that, and to the point here, if there is no resurrection of the dead, our dead brothers and sisters do not exist, and we have no hope. Now, at this point, if I'm one of those Corinthians who said there is no resurrection... As I read this that we've just talked about, I'm not feeling very comfortable. My conscience is prompting me to reconsider and renounce my error. If I love the truth and want to do right and grow in the faith, I'm ready to repent of my impulsive statements and stand firmly, again, in gospel truth. When I obeyed the gospel, I was responding to the message that Jesus died, was buried, and arose. I need to acknowledge again those great historical truths and resolve to never say anything that would repudiate the facts of the gospel, reflect on the integrity of my Savior, or question God's power to raise the dead. So, let's put all of this together. In 1 Corinthians 15, listen, please. I'm going to read verses 1 through 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 20. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. then those also who have fallen asleep in christ have perished if in christ we have hope in this life only we are of all people most to be pitied but in fact raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep if we accept that god raised christ from the dead we have accepted that God has such power and that God will raise the dead at the end of time on earth. This is more than just history. This is more than just academic arguing or a debate. God raised Christ from the dead. And if you are a Christian, God raised you from the death of sin when you were baptized the ultimate power of God to raise the dead will come at the end of time on earth, and God will then raise the faithful to a glorious, eternal existence. And Paul says this is all attributed to, this is all attributed to the grace of God. I want to close with this. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Starting at verse 14, I'm going to read into chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians four fourteen, into chapter 5, verse 6. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, and be sober. More about 1 Corinthians 15 in the next recording for April the 4th. Thank you for being with us.